If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 55 of the Leading Learning Podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking with Shlomi Katan, who is a senior director at the XPRIZE Foundation. But before we get to that interview, we want to be sure to thank Avalar, which as the sponsor of our upcoming webinar on learning management system selection, is also the sponsor for this episode of the Leading Learning Podcast. You can find out more about Avalar and its learning solutions at avalar.com. So Jeff, you were the one who got to talk to Shlomi, so tell us a little bit about that conversation. Sure. So we've been really big lately on the idea of leading large-scale learning and change. In fact, we did a a blog post about this recently, and it's something that we've come back to repeatedly over time. So I was really eager to be able to talk with somebody at the XPRIZE Foundation. Um, I think of them as a leading organization when it comes to large-scale learning and change. And for folks who are listening who maybe aren't totally familiar with what the XPRIZE Foundation does, they basically identify you know, big intractable problems or just big opportunities that aren't necessarily otherwise going to be tackled, aren't necessarily going to be addressed. And they set up a, a prize structure around that, have teams compete to really dig in and solve you know, very complex problems, very complex challenges. And we'll get into in the interview what some of those uh, actually are. Shlomi happens to be in charge of the adult literacy challenge at uh, the XPRIZE Foundation. And, uh, you know, I was surprised, and I'm sure many of the listeners will be surprised when they hear the statistics, as to just how big an issue that is. Uh, Most listeners here are, you know, highly educated, probably don't give it a second thought that they are also highly literate, but there's a significant portion of the population in the United States and globally uh, that does not have good uh, functional basic literacy. So that's the kind of challenge that uh, the XPRIZE Foundation uh, underwrites, uh, basically. And, you know, again, was really eager to to speak to somebody like Shlomi, who's on the front lines, engaged in how these types of challenges work, you know, what they're really good for, um, situations where they are good, maybe where they're not so good for uh, uh, tackling these big challenges and, and opportunities. So we dig into all of that, uh, and then we, of course, talk about, you know, his personal approaches uh, to learning. And and in general, I think anybody, you know, who wants to feel really uplifted, inspired by the impact that you can have in the world through initiatives that uh, that drive learning, that drive change, this is really going to be the the interview to to listen to. Um, And I'll say, too, you know, before we uh, uh, completely segue off to the interview, that uh, we're grateful to Seth Kahn for actually having introduced us to Shlomi and to the, the XPRIZE Foundation. Seth does amazing work with grand challenges, and that's what this is really all about, is grand challenges. And, and uh, you know, he was very inspiring at the recent symposium, does a lot of ongoing work around that. And so he was kind of the connection into the XPRIZE Foundation. I just want to acknowledge that. Definitely. We are very thankful to Seth and the role that he's played, not only in this podcast uh, interview, but in the Leading Learning Symposium as well. So with that, let's go and listen to what you and Shlomi have to say. This is Jeff Cobb, and I am very happy to be joined today by Shlomi Katan, 
Shlomi is the Senior Director of Prize Operations for the Barbara Bush Adult Literacy X Prize at the X Prize Foundation. And really looking forward to talking about the X Prize Foundation and about that Adult Literacy X Prize. Shlomi, thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you, Jeff. Great to be here. Well, you know what I'd love to start with, because I'm, I'm sure that um, we've got many listeners who are familiar with the XPRIZE Foundation, familiar with the whole concept of XPRIZE, but I'm betting we have quite a few who don't uh, also. So maybe just as a, a starting point, can you give um, just a little bit of background on what an XPRIZE is, you know, how it got its start, what, what the foundation does in its work? Yeah, of course. Um, so at its core... XPRIZE is a nonprofit that designs and manages large-scale competitions in order to drive innovation that will benefit humanity. Um, but I say at its core because really those competitions are part of broader impact programs that we run across the foundation. Now, the way we got our start is interesting because um, while some people do know the XPRIZE Foundation, they're not aware that these incentive prize competitions have actually existed for a long time. And one of the more famous ones was the Ortig Prize, which was the prize that drove Charles Lindbergh to fly a plane from New York to Paris. Ah. And in reading about that story, our founder, Peter Diamandis, who wanted to uh, start a company that would um, privately take people into space, he read about that Ortig Prize and said, wait, I can do the same thing for space travel. Space travel has always been the purview of governments. It costs hundreds of millions of dollars to send astronauts into outer space. Um, and Peter thought that using that model, he could drive the type of innovation and technological change that would make space travel and space exploration generally a viable private industry. Um, he launched the XPRIZE Foundation back in 1994 um, and the first competition in 1996, and it was one by a team um, back in 2004 whose technology was immediately acquired by what became Virgin Galactic. Mm. So that's how we got our start, is, um, is a competition to privatize spaceflight. But it worked so well that we started looking at other sectors where we could have an impact using this competition model. And now we've been around for 22 years. We've awarded six, six prizes. Uh, we currently have seven competitions um, active with two more to launch in the next week. Actually, we're going to announce two new competitions on October 24th. Um, and so that's what XPRIZE is. Well, and it's fascinating to look on your website, you know, the, at the prizes that are uh, underway right now, the competitions that are underway. And, and it made me wonder, I mean, are, are there particular situations or issues that, um, you know, lend themselves better to the XPRIZE approach than, than others would? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and the Ansari XPRIZE, which was that first one, is a good example of it. Um, but in general, we function at that intersection where there is little to no incentive for private industry mm. to innovate and no motives in place for government to invest more heavily in any sort of technological innovation. So if you look across the different uh, we call them grand challenge domains, but the different sectors or verticals across which we, we work. Um, it's the life sciences, it's health and wealth and health and wellness, it's education and learning, uh, space and exploration, transportation. And these are generally areas where 
Um, for one reason or another, the market forces are not in place to incentivize private industry to invest heavily in in change. Mm-hmm. Um, status quo remains the same, and and so that's um, it's usually that intersection where we really believe that's the best opportunity for for an X Prize to have the most impact. Right, and you just use that word um, incentivize, um, you know, because I wonder. It seems to me that the the, the X Prize competitions. I mean, they they drive tremendous learning. They drive tremendous collaboration. Obviously, people are you know really pulling together to solve a, a big issue or a, a problem. I mean, what what is it that that makes this approach so effective for that? I mean, is it the competition? Is it the the, the prize money that's involved? I mean, what what is it that's kind of the secret sauce from from your perspective? Yeah. So the the prize money matters. Um, mainly to draw attention to the competition. Hmm. What really drives, you know, I mean, we say at XPRIZE, we are all about the teams. The teams are the competitors. They, they are really the ones that are creating the innovation. We are just a platform t- that allows them to have their success. And, and XPRIZE is not the only one, you know, even in the education and learning space, we're not the only organization doing these types of competitions. A recent one was um, XQ, which uh, was founded by Laurel Powell Jobs. Lauren Powell Jobs um, has awarded $100 million to reinvent high schools. What the the money that goes into it it's a it's an attractive thing it's an important part of it but really the psychology of competition mm-hmm. is what drives that innovation the people who compete for x prize competitions and for for these types of competitions in general for incentive prize competitions in general these are hardcore entrepreneurs these are people who want to see change happen in the world and they know that um that change happens because they make it happen and that psychology and that faith that they tend to have in in their own solutions is really the reason these things are ever successful. Um, you know, a book recently came out, actually, just just under a month ago, a book came out telling the story of that first XPRIZE, of the Ansari XPRIZE. It's called How to Build a Spaceship. And, and what's interesting is it tells the stories of the different competitors. And these are highly entrepreneurial um, not at all risk averse people who think really creatively they tend to be, you know, even if they're insiders to an industry, they've got an outsider's perspective. And that really is what drives that type of, of innovative thinking. And, um, and that's what we've seen. What we tend to see really is um, that, that it's a form of crowdsourcing and gamification that gets a lot of people involved. And when you have that many shots on goal, when you have that many people competing, they drive one another to do more. Right. 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 They find out what other competitors are doing. And, and there's this just innate need for, for hu- as humans, for us to, to constantly be improving. And I think that the model, the competition model just leverages that nature, that human nature. Right. And right. makes it, uh, and I mean, have you ever seen any situations where it, it didn't work for some reason where, you know, that, that entrepreneurial impulse didn't take hold where the, the necessary learning didn't happen? I mean, any, any significant failures that have happened under this uh, sort of model? Yeah. So, 
You know, we, we, we like to think at XPRIZE that actually a lot of those failures, the failure to win a competition. Um, so, so far we've launched, we, we've had seven uh, competitions, six of which, not including the active ones, six of which were won. Um, and I'll talk a bit more about those and I'll talk about the seventh one in a couple of minutes. But um, what we've seen is that actually some of the teams that don't win the competition do something where in the process of, for lack of a better term, failing, mm. end up doing some of the most innovative stuff. They do something that is so groundbreaking that it didn't work for the competition, but it has huge impact on the world. And I'll give you an example from our, from our most recently awarded competition. Um, it was the Ocean Health X Prize. And the, the Wendy Schmidt Ocean Health X Prize was for the creation of uh, pH sensors that could measure the acidity of ocean water at 3,000 meters at levels of accuracy that were um, close to or very similar to existing solutions that are much, much more expensive and at a price that is significantly cheaper than what was available on the market before the launch of the competition. Um, and the team that won was a small company from, of all places, uh, Montana. Uh, they, they have ocean water flown out to them. Um, and they created these two, they created these two, two, these two sensors that worked really well and actually came in first for both sides of the competition, both for affordability and accuracy. But there was another team that was a group of high school students and they came up with an idea that was essentially using a fin on a surfboard to measure pH levels in the ocean. Now, that's tremendously innovative. No one had thought to do something like that. They couldn't win because they couldn't do it at depth. They could, when they try to go to 3,000 meters, mm -hmm. they weren't as accurate, and I think their device actually broke. So that, but that was what we call a bold, ingenious failure. It was thinking outside the box to such an extent that it's going to have an effect on the industry and on the way that people approach um, ocean health, even though it didn't win the competition. And we tend to see that across the board. Companies that have come about that didn't even make it to the finals of the competition, but came up with so many innovative tools that those end up going to market. Um, the only competition that has ever, for lack of a better term, failed is the Archon Genomics X Prize. And that one failed because we launched a competition and the market moved so quickly that the market leader actually surpassed the goals of the competition before we even started. Interesting. So we announced that we were getting a prize. We, we had all the funding. The competition started. And the leader in the market came and said, we're not going to compete because it doesn't make sense for us as, a, as the market leader to, to risk our position by competing with, with a bunch of startups. But we want you to know that we've already done what you're asking companies to do. Um, that just canceling that competition actually to us proves the model. Because it goes to show that um, if you put out something that is not audacious enough, the market will beat you to it. But as long as we put out something that is really on the cusp of impossible, at least by current standards, it's going to push the envelope and it's going to pull the industry forward. Um, and with Archon, Archon Genomics, uh, that simply wasn't the case. The, industry, the market exceeded expectations well ahead of time. Right, right. I, I like that phrase, on the cusp of the impossible. That's great. 
Um, well, let's, to, to switch gears a little bit, um, I mean, how does how does somebody end up working someplace like the X Prize Foundation? I mean, how did how did you end up working there? I notice you've got kind of an eclectic background. Um, you've, you've got, you know, an, an education background, particularly language education. Uh, you've been an entrepreneur, you've been a, a strategy consultant. Um, I mean, have some of those been more important than, than others in, uh, in what you do at, at X prize? Um, I mean, just kind of, kind of tell us the story of how you got there and how you've brought your skills to bear. Yeah. So you, you use the word eclectic and I think that is, um, it's an accurate description of pretty much everyone at the foundation. <laughs> All right. And I think, uh, you know, I, I have a colleague, he's the technical director of both the Adult Literacy X Prize, the Global Learning X Prize, as well as the Artificial Intelligence X Prize. And he likes to say that none of us have been doing this for 25 years. We're all people who come from diverse backgrounds, um, who have expertise in different functions or industries. And both collectively and individually are able to bring those to bear onto a really unique um, instrument in order to drive innovation. So um, in my particular case, yeah, as you mentioned, I, my background is very heavily rooted in the education space, but always not only looking at, um, at education in the traditional sense, but understanding how we educate um, learners at all stages of life, from preschool, K, K through 12, uh, post-secondary, and lifelong learning, as well as adult learning. Um, and, and that's been my, my experience, and I've always been mixed in with how technology can be used to improve those processes and improve those institutions. Um, and I, just before joining XPRIZE, I was at a startup that I founded. Uh, we'd been running it for three years. We're in the process of winding that down. Um, and really serendipitously, um, XPRIZE was in the process of preparing to launch the Adult Literacy XPRIZE. Mm. And one of the things, you know, I, I found in my career, because my background is eclectic, um, I tend to be looked at as either a an academic. I have, you know, I have a PhD in education, so a lot of uh, companies look at me as somebody who knows about education, but also as a as a startup founder and as a uh, former strategy consultant, other organizations look at me as somebody who has that expertise and ignore the other part of my of my background. XPRIZE is one of those unique places where you get to meld those two. Mm. And I think that's true for everyone that works here. Um, you know, even our project managers are people who have done project management, but have also worked at nonprofits focused on those areas that they care about and that they end up working on at XPRIZE. So it's a, it's, it's a unique thing. Um, you know, our CEO now actually uh, was a management consultant. He just started six months ago as our new CEO. He's the second CEO in XPRIZE history after Peter uh, Diamandis, who was our founder. And, um, and Marcus himself has an eclectic background as a management consultant who really worked across different sectors and different functions to understand how companies innovate and how they drive for, uh, for change. He, he likes to say, uh, he used to like to say to his clients, Uber yourself before you get Kodak. And, <laughs> uh, and I think that's the kind of, you know, those are the types of people that we, we tend to attract. Right. Right. Um, and so we're blessed. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like a fascinating place to work. And so, I mean, as I understand it, you you're now bringing your your own eclectic skill set to bear, you know, primarily on this uh, adult literacy X Prize. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that and, and, and what you're aiming to do there? Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned at the beginning that your listeners may or may not know about uh, about what X Prize is. Um, what is even less commonly known is that almost one out of every six adults in the U.S. lacks basic literacy skills. Mm. And that is pretty much in line with global averages. Um, right around 16% of all adults in the world, it's almost 800 million people, just lack basic literacy. Globally, two-thirds of those are women. In the U.S., it's, um, it's not as uh, drastically split towards women um, as it is in other countries, which has to do with access to education and so forth. Um, and so... The idea for this competition actually came to us from the Barbara Bush Foundation for Family Literacy. They've been working in this space for over a quarter of a century and investing um, money and resources and efforts in really improving um, education at both ends of the spectrum, both with pre-K and, um, and adults. So this really intergenerational approach and they were using that for over a quarter of a century. They were really founding a founding organization in the family literacy movement in the United States. But they weren't seeing any drastic changes. The literacy rates, um, the adult literacy rates today are the same as they were in the early 1990s. And so they knew about XPRIZE and they came to us and said, look, we believe that this is a sector that could benefit from this type of, of competition. And our prize development team looked into it and did uh, a lot of research. And we ended up launching a competition whose goal is for teams to develop um, mobile software that works on existing smartphones and, and tablets um, to take adults who read at or below the equivalent of a third grade level and get them to basic literacy using essentially nothing other than their smartphone. Um, and that's what we're trying to do. We're awarding $6 million uh, for that, for the teams that come up with those solutions, uh, both for solutions that work best with adults who read, who speak English as their first language, as well as adults who are learning English as a second language. And then we're on top of that doing something that we've never done before. And as far as I know, no other incentive prize competition organization has done that before. And, you know, this is a $7 million competition. I only mentioned $6 million going to teams. That's because there's an additional million dollars that will go to any city in the United States who will take any of the finalist uh, applications that are submitted by teams, any of the ones that have gone through this process of vetting that we will put on. It's a year-long field test. Um, and we will take those and have them distributed through, again, a competition model to as many as a million adult learners across the country by having cities compete to distribute those tools to the largest percentage of adult learners um, residing in those cities. So that's essentially the XPRIZE. It's trying to find a solution for adult low literacy, first in the United States and then globally, by having teams leverage what has become the most, the most widely used um, and fastest adopted technology um, in the history of mankind. 
which is smartphones. So that's great. So you're not not just coming up with the innovation, but also you're you're actually funding um, the 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 implementation of that innovation to make it have actual impact uh, out in the world. And where where are you in in the process on this one? I mean, are you close to awarding the prize? Are you seeing any major innovations uh, so far? Yeah, we're, we're definitely seeing innovations. We're about two years from awarding the prize. And the reason for that is teams now have until March of 2017 to develop their solution. So we've given teams um, from the start of the competition until, um, the close of the submission period, a total of 21 months um, during which they can refine, develop from scratch, uh, overhaul, whatever they need to do, those submissions, and then submit it to us by March 9th of 2017. At that point, we will put the, we, we have a panel of judges who are experts in the field of adult literacy, education, technology, uh, gaming, and, and uh, neuroscience, and we're, they're going to select up to 15 semifinalists who will be put into a field test. And the purpose of that field test is to get as many as 12,000 people in the cities of Los Angeles, Dallas, and Philadelphia to use any one of those 15 semifinalist tools. With the purpose of seeing that over the course of a year, we're able to measure progress amongst the people who use those tools. So all participants will take a pretest. They will all take a post-test one year later. And the team that wins is the team that will have produced the greatest learning gains amongst that test population. Um, at that point, we will award the competition. That's just about two years from, from right now. So it will be in uh, December of 2018. The city's competition, which is that second stage competition, will be awarded in June of 2019. Or sorry, in April of 2019. Right. Um, to the city that has the the largest distribution. Interesting, interesting. And I know, yeah. you know, I know. Right now, this is just uh, as you've already mentioned, you know, one of a number of prizes that are active. And um, you know, as I look at uh, at, at your website, I, I see one of the other major ones right now is um, a, a Global Learning X Prize, which um, my understanding is that one's aimed more at, at children, um, helping them, you know, take control of of their own learning and approaches to that. And I mean, that made me wonder, um, you know, is is there cross pollination between the different prizes that are running at any given time? I mean, does the adult literacy X prize and the global learning X prize, is there any, you know, any interface between them um, at all, whether among the teams or internally, how, how does, how does that work? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, internally is an easy one. We, we share as a, as an organization, we're cross matrix. So we share resources across teams. And I mentioned earlier that the technical director of uh, the adult literacy X prize is also the technical director of the global learning and, and AI X prize competition. Mm -hmm. um, as far as teams, uh, there are 14 teams that are competing for both the global learning X prize and the adult literacy X prize. Uh, which is the first time that we've seen that with XPRIZE competitions, in part because it's the first time that we've had two competitions that were so closely aligned. Right. And I think that's the most important component of the cross-pollination. When you look at these two competitions, you, know, you, you mentioned adults and kids, and people tend to, to say that you know, if, you, if you teach the kids, then the adults will learn. And it's actually it, it's bi-directional. Mm. We know that the... We know that statistically speaking, the biggest predictor of a child's educational success 
is the academic attainment of that child's parents. If we are only intervening with children, then we're leaving part of the equation out of it. And so it's important to address both sides of, of the equation. Um, that's one part of it. But the other part is really the goals. When you look at the goals of these two competitions, to some extent they overlap. We are essentially trying to drive for innovation in the development of learning software. And when you look at these two competitions, they're really complementary in that regard because kids do learn differently than adults. Even kids who have no access to schooling learn very differently from adults who have been through to some extent or another, um, because people do drop out, but to some extent or another through a formal education system. If we're able to drive the development of software that can actually teach people, which there's you know, with all due respect to all the companies that um, have produced learning software, and I ran a company that did this, and we we were very we were very effective. Our our program worked, but these programs tend to work for just like all software programs focused on gaming or entertainment. They tend to work for not all users. Mm -hmm. They tend to work for a, a, a swath of the users. For somebody to win these two competitions, they will have to have done something that is that has never been done before, that is so engaging that they can take either kids on their own or adults on their own and bring them to basic levels of literacy, and in the case of the Global Learning X Prize, arithmetic as well, um, using nothing other than mobile software. And that's never been done before. And the teams that develop those two will have such impact on the world because they will have proven a model that to date we have no proof for. We don't know, even though there's a lot of promise in mobile learning, we haven't seen it work at scale. Um, and if we're able to prove it at both ends of the education spectrum, I think the, the implications are profound. We're going to see a lot more investment in mobile learning writ large. We're mm -hmm. going to see a lot more investment in society in um, governments making sure that we're investing in the deployment of such technologies uh, two learners of all ages. And I think, uh, you know, in that respect, these two are really, um, they're really complementary competitions. And, you know, these are obviously you know, really big issues that you're tackling, um, you know, helping children globally, tackling the whole adult literacy problem. And I know there, you know, that we've probably got listeners who are coming from organizations that, uh, you know, may serve a particular field or industry, and, and they'd like to make some significant change across that field uh, or industry. But I'm, I'm sure they're listening saying, you know, but I, I don't have six million dollars to award as a, as a prize. Um, you know, I don't I don't have uh, Peter Diamandis as a, a founder and CEO who can kind of, you know, envision and, and drive this whole thing. I mean, have you seen the X Prize model be able to translate um, to, you know, maybe smaller organizations, organizations that don't have quite the resources, but, but can still take the concepts and, and, and tackle a, a grand challenge and, and make some, some big change. A absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's a, there's a long history to prizes, to prizes. And we're seeing today that there are organizations of all, of all sizes using this model um, to, to drive for innovation in their particular sectors. Um, you know, a, a good example, and I, I know it's, it's, it's an example for the size of the competition, not, not for the size of the company behind it, because the company behind it is Netflix. But Netflix offered essentially a million dollars for the development of a software algorithm. Mm. Um, you see, 
you see um, platforms like HeroX, which is actually a uh, partly owned subsidiary of XPRIZE. HeroX is a platform for launching competitions that are on a much smaller scale. Um, you really, you don't need uh, $10 million. You need something like $10,000. Mm. And as long as you define the, the goal adequately uh, and, and the prize purse is one that can um, incentivize people to achieve that goal, then competitions work at all, in all shapes and sizes. And I think that's something that we've, we've seen across the board. You look at you know, the, the Ortigue Prize, at the time that it launched was a $25,000 prize, which if you translate it to uh, real dollars today, that's $350,000. Mm. It's significant, but we're not talking about um, earth-shattering right. money. Right. Um, and so I, I think the model in and of itself, it's, it's a really elegant model. It really is. And there are platforms out there. Um, HeroX, obviously, is, is, a, is one that we're partial to. Um, but there are others as well that really allow smaller organizations to leverage the competition model and and get that type of impact from from the crowd. Right. Um, yeah. Well, and we'll be sure to, to link to um, to Hero X as part of the, the show notes for this episode because I think that is definitely something that uh, listeners should, should check out along with um, checking out your website. Um, be, before we before we wrap up the the conversation, though, I'd, I'd like to kind of turn the lens back to you again, um, because, you know, one thing we like to ask everybody who comes on Leading Learning, since we are a, a show about uh, uh, lifelong learning, is, uh, you know, w- what are your own lifelong learning habits and practices? And, and because of where you're coming from, I, I, I feel like I also have to ask, you know, do you yourself, you know, set yourself kind of big challenges and, and, and big rewards as part of your own kind of personal approach to, uh, to lifelong learning? That, that's a great question. Um, so I, I think all of us by default are lifelong learners and, you know, whether, whether we build projects around our learning goals or we don't, we, we're always learning, you know, sometimes we're just not aware of how much we learn because it's, it's so intrinsic to everything that we do. Um, I would say that for me, that's the, that's kind of the, the big goal is really trying to take that, learning that happens naturally and figure out ways to channel it into something productive. Mm. And so I am constantly doing projects on the side that are really geared towards how can I learn more about a particular industry or how can I produce something that is useful for others um, that, um, that in that process at a minimum is, if nobody else finds it useful, at least I learned something. Right. And so that, that to me is, is important that by really thinking of how do I produce it for others, I'm, I feel that that kind of commits me to that thing. And um, the biggest project for me has been I have a two-year-old daughter. <laughs> so for the last two years, one of my big projects has really been trying to understand more about the physical world so that I can teach her in a language that is understandable to her about the physical world. Because I, I remember being a kid and having those types of questions. And I realized that I'd basically gone back to school uh, to learn about astrophysics because um, that is, you know, it's one of those things that kids ask about and it's something that I, I felt I didn't know, I couldn't explain. I couldn't explain in, in language that was understandable to a child why the sky is blue. 
or I couldn't, I couldn't explain, you know, why planet earth exists. And so I've just gone through a, a reading spree and, and an effort to try to explain to her how the world works and in language that is understandable to her, which I think is, is hard. Um, you know, anytime you can explain something to a young child, it requires, uh, more than superficial understanding. So that's been my big thing over the last couple of years is, is that, and prior to that, it's always, you know, Kudo really started out of the same thing or the company that I founded really started out of a process of trying to help friends better understand how their kids could learn a foreign language. Um, and that gave rise to eventually a company because we realized that um, answering those questions was not what people were really looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and putting materials was was more it. So, um, so that. That's funny. I think uh, k- kids, uh, in many ways, are the the ultimate grand learning challenge. I've certainly found that uh, with my own two children. So, uh, well, um, so as we're wrapping up here, can can you tell listeners uh, the the best way that to find out more about uh, the X Prize Foundation and, and what you're up to, and then to the extent you're open to it, you know how they could connect with you. Of course. Um, so the easiest way to learn more about X Prize is to go to xprize.org. That's the letter X. P-R-I-Z-E dot org. Um, all our active competitions are listed there, information about the company, um, and everybody that works uh, at XRISE is on the team page, um, not just leadership. Every, every single person that works at the company is listed there. Uh, as far as contacting me, I'm always happy to, to connect with people, and um, every, anyone is perfectly free to email me at my XPRIZE email, which is publicly available. So it's Shlomi at xprize.org. It's S-H-L-O-M-Y at xprize.org. More than happy to, to connect with your listeners and tell them more about this competition and other competitions in our education and learning domain. Well, great. Well, Shlomi, thanks so much for taking the time to, to talk and, and, and share what you're doing and what XPRIZE is doing with Leading Learning listeners. No, thank you, Jeff. Really appreciate the time and, um, and thanks. That wraps up our interview with Shlomi Katan. And as we're exiting, we want to say thanks again to Avalar for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Find out more about Avalar at avalar.com. To get show notes for this episode, just go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 55. And while you're there, you'll also see that there are various options for subscribing to the podcast. So if you're not subscribed already and you are getting value out of the podcast, we would be truly grateful if you would subscribe. We would also be grateful if you would take a few seconds to give us a rating on iTunes. You can do that by going to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. And we really appreciate this because it makes it much easier for others to find this podcast. Finally, consider telling others about the podcast. You can send out a tweet simply by going to leadinglearning.com slash share, and that will automatically pop up a tweet that's pre-filled with some content for you. Or if tweeting is not your thing, or if you're a turbo social user and do lots of different channels, just pick the channels of your choice and get the good word out there. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.